tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Two Georgia lawmakers are leading a new push to add more health care workers to communities like the city of Savannah. U.S. Senator John Ossoff, Congressman Buddy Carter, and 11 other Georgia lawmakers wrote a letter to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. A few months back, reports from WJCL-TV down in Savannah. Well, we're joined by the aforementioned Congressman Buddy Carter in studio with us this morning because he's in town today visiting, among other things, the Health Sciences Campus at the University of Georgia. Congressman Carter, thanks for your time this morning. Well, thank you for having me. Spoken on the phone here. numerous times, but now get you in the studio for a few minutes. Uh, what brings you to town? Well, uh, a couple of things. First of all, obviously, uh, an alum of the university and mm-hmm. the pharmacy school in particular, so I'm looking forward to being with them this morning. and. And looking at a couple of programs that uh, we have implemented and and passed through legislation in Congress, particularly with uh, engineering with nature um, and dealing with with climate change and with the rising sea levels that we see, particularly along the coast. You know, we have um, a beautiful coastline here in in the state of Georgia, over 100 miles of pristine coastline that I have the honor and privilege of representing. And that's very important to me. And I just want to check in on it. Uh, Congressman Buddy Carter mentioned there that that work that you're doing this some weeks ago, months ago with Senator John Ossoff. Interesting, I, I had him on the program, uh, and I don't know if he's ever been introduced this way before. I, I said to him by way of introduction, I said, you know, I find myself not hating you as much as I thought I would uh, in terms of the way that he operates in the U.S. Senate. A lot of people give lip service to working across the aisle, reaching across the aisle. My impression, watching him for now a couple of years, he seems to be genuine in that, and it doesn't seem to matter to him who he's working with, you, Ted Cruz, Marsha Blackburn, whoever. What's your take on him and that approach, and how common is that in Congress? Well, it's more common than I think people realize. Um, you know, with all due respect, I don't think that the media gives us enough credit for working in a bipartisan fashion. And of course, I get it. I understand that the big issues, the the divisive issues, the wedge issues, if you will, mm-hmm. those are the ones that really get reported the most. But um, for instance, I serve on the Energy and Commerce Committee, and, and I consider it to be the most bipartisan committee in Congress. We do work together. We work together on a number of different issues. We We touch everything energy, commerce, health care, telecommunications, uh, all of that is extremely important. And, and working together in a bipartisan fashion, we get things done in that committee. And that effort with John Ossoff, specifically Senator Ossoff there, how goes that, this effort to, to enhance health care in Georgia and elsewhere? It's part of your reason for coming to Athens, I suppose. Absolutely, absolutely. It's going well. We're, we're very pleased. Um, obviously, being a pharmacist, I'm, I'm very concerned with health care. It's been my primary focus since I've been a member of Congress and continues to be. And um, obviously, we, we have challenges in health care all across the country. Um, particularly in South Georgia, particularly in our our rural areas, that's something that's very important. And of course, having uh, just had the um, the national emergency with um, with the pandemic uh, ended yesterday. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, the president finally got along with it. Although we did pass legislation in the House to end it much earlier, a couple of months ago. But nevertheless, it, um, he did pass that, and uh, it's extremely important for us to address that and to 
to understand what we did right, what we did wrong, what we need to do different in the future, and, and what we need to do better in the future. One of the reasons that Health Sciences Campus on Prince Avenue exists at all, one of the stated rationales for, for using that facility once the Navy packed up and left town, was that we needed to have more doctors stay in Georgia. Train them up here, they'll stay here. Is there any data to support that? Is there anything that suggests, okay, that effort is working, it's paying off? It is paying off, and it, and it is true. Um, you know, when I was serving in the Georgia State Legislature as a member of the Health and Human Services Committee, uh, that was one thing that we realized was that, generally speaking, wherever a physician does their uh, their training, uh, that's usually where they end up staying. Mm. And and that's why we need to increase the, the number of, of positions that we have across the state for internships and, and for the physicians to practice because we know that that will lead to, to more of them staying in this area after they graduate. But you mentioned rural Georgia specifically. You're yes. from South Georgia, coastal Georgia. I'm from South Georgia, southwest Georgia over there in Cairo, Grady County, that part of the state. And those parts of the state, there's some very small and sparsely populated counties in Georgia. It's one thing to, to have doctors all over Atlanta or all over Augusta or all over Athens. I mean, you got two big hospitals in this town and, of course, the University of Georgia. It's something else to be in, I don't know, Adel. <laughs> or, or or Bainbridge or someplace down in those little towns down in South Georgia. What do we do, and by way of enhancing the effort, to not, not only doctor shortages, but as we saw during the course of the pandemic, nursing shortages and other health care workers? Oh, absolutely. It's across the board. There's no question about that. Well, one of the things that, um, one of the good things that has come about as a result of the pandemic has been telehealth. And, and that is something that overnight, literally overnight, uh, became an integral part of our healthcare system, and it has particularly been beneficial to those in in rural Georgia. Now, it has raised other concerns, and that is primarily, uh, you know, the availability of broadband, high speed mm. internet, which is also areas. an issue in those parts of the states exactly. we're talking about here. Exactly, which is also uh, under our jurisdiction in energy and mm. commerce. So um, that's why that's that's such a a great committee and such a good committee to be on. But nevertheless, that is something that we've got to address. One of the issues that we find um, throughout our, our our society is mental health issues, and we have a shortage of psychiatrists right now and of of mental health workers. And to be able to utilize as many as we can, particularly through the use of uh, telehealth, is is something that we're working. On as well. You know, about that broadband issue, Congressman Buddy Carter with us, I, I'm wondering and have wondered out loud for a while about the role for government in that. Uh, one of the things that's been proposed and to some extent carried out in different parts of the state, maybe different parts of the country, I'm thinking of the EMC model back in the day, 100 years ago when, when electricity was something they had in town but not out in the country because there was no money to be made by running electric wires out to, out to somebody's farm. Well, the EMC stepped in and, and helped create uh, legislatively carved out to help create uh, supplies for the folks who had the demand for electricity. Is there any way of applying that business model to broadband? Well, there is, and and we have actually done that. We've actually, and um, we, we've got grants that are available to, to make sure that we get that final mile and, that, and, and to make sure that 
that those areas are 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 being served because quite honestly what we find is a lot of these uh, a lot of these companies want to cherry pick they mm-hmm. want to go and you know where the customers mm-hmm. are and and that leaves the 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 rural areas sometimes lacking and that's one of the things we're trying to first of all we got to get mapping process correct we, and we're doing a pretty good job here in the state of Georgia actually uh, I, I'm very proud when we are talking about it um, in committee they always point to Georgia as being one of the ones who's done a good job with mapping to see where we need to concentrate and and where where we're doing well at right, one more thing before we hit a break here and it's a big thing and I know we probably devote more time to it but you used a word there and it always I use it a lot it sounds benign uh, grants. We have grants. It sounds, no, what you have is money that we don't have. I mean, we were, what is it, $31, $32 trillion in debt now? It, it's money that we don't have. What do we do about that? Well, that is a that is a big discussion, and it's something that I'm very concerned with. You know, the number one responsibility of our federal government is to protect our homeland and protect our citizens. Yet, this fiscal year coming up, we will spend more on the interest, on the interest on our debt then we will own defense. And the number one responsibility of our government is to protect our homeland and protect our citizens. And yet we're going to be spending more on the interest alone on our debt than we will be on defense. Congressman Buddy Carter, a problem that has to be solved. The briefest of breaks, I don't know if we'll solve it when we come back, but maybe we'll take a bite out of that apple. Congressman Buddy Carter in studio with us, Classics of Today, WGAU. If there's one thing that Democrats and Republicans can agree on, it's that Parkinson's disease sucks. Today, on World Parkinson's Day, I'm here to tell you that I've come to learn this firsthand. And that's because I've learned that I, too, have Parkinson's, or what some people call PD for short. So Jennifer Wexton, Democratic Congresswoman Virginia, the announcement via video that she has been diagnosed with Parkinson's. Uh, we, we speak with a Georgia congressman, Buddy Carter, in studio with us this morning. Before we go any farther, I know you'd want to extend thoughts and well wishes and prayers to your House colleague there. Absolutely. Um, you know, I've, as a healthcare professional, I've witnessed uh, the effects and uh, of Parkinson's. It's an awful disease. And of course, watched um, my good friend, Senator Johnny Isaacson, suffer through it. And um, certainly our thoughts and, and prayers go out to, to our colleague and and admire her courage in, in coming out and and in admitting this and, and making it public. You know, you, you corrected me before we got on the air here. I've described you as the only pharmacist in the U.S. <laughs> House, Congressman Buddy Carter. Uh, you're actually telling me the, the, the delegation has doubled, as it were. What did you tell me? from Tennessee? Yeah, Diana Harshbarger from Tennessee is a, a compounding pharmacist, and she's now a member of Congress and doing a great job. She's a rising star in our conference. Uh, I tell people all the time before she came, um, one of my colleagues gave me the hashtag OPIC, that mean only pharmacists in Congress. Congress. And of course, when she came, he said, well, you can keep it, but now it means oldest pharmacist. <laughs> and now you have a caucus, I guess, <laughs> a, a pharmacist. Well, that perspective, we were talking, and obviously you're in town, as we mentioned, to, among other things, take a look at the Health Sciences Campus at the University of Georgia, visit, revisit your old stomping grounds, the pharmacy school at UGA. But that perspective that you had and shared frequently throughout the course of the pandemic, uh, that, that, that you're looking at things like the vaccines and as they were being developed and as they're being rolled out and used, What's the big takeaway here? The evolution of the way we talked about that vaccine. Well, okay, it's the be-all, end-all. Now, nobody can catch COVID if they get the vaccine. Uh, going from that to the head of the CDC saying, you know what, it's really not that effective in slowing the spread of the virus. I, if nothing else, it seems to me, we all should be humbled, by the way, that we have learned that these things actually can outwit us. 
They, they can. And uh, actually, we were in this at the CDC earlier this week visiting with them. Um, I led a delegation um, to tour the CDC, and we met with uh, with the director, uh, Dr. Walensky, and and certainly it's um, you know again we've learned some important lessons through all this. Um, there, there were things that were done right, um, some things that were not done right, and unfortunately led to a, somewhat of a deterioration, if you will, in the trust that mm. people have with the CDC. So we, we want to help them. We want to help them build that trust back up with the public. And well, I wonder they need if that's, to. I, I can't think of a word that has been devalued more in terms of its currency. That word, experts. Every time, I, whatever the subject matter is, experts say, and I'm like, where's the dial? I need to change the station. I don't, I don't know that I, and I, I can't be alone in that. And you say, well, we need to rebuild that trust. How are you going to do that? Well, it's going to be difficult. It's not easy. Um, you know, once you, you lose that trust, it's hard to get it back. But um, but we need the CDC. The CDC uh, serves an important role, and, and we need to be able to – to trust them. That's why they need to man up and say, you know, look, we were wrong in this instance. Um, I, I know I'm a member of the doctor's caucus in Congress, and, and we, uh, you know, we have a, a, a very important role in, in because we have 17 members of the Republican conference who are in health care, um, doctors, pharmacists, um, dentists. And, um, and it's important, and people listen to us and what we have to say, but, um, you know, just uh, something as simple as do mask work, mm. and, you know, or do children need to be vaccinated, or do they have the, uh, the, the you know, the, the, does their immune system lend itself to where they don't need to be vaccinated? So all of those things are important, and it's important for us to be able to to trust people. And that's why, and I don't know if you're aware or not, but um, early on, I went through the clinical trials mm-hmm. with the vaccine. I wanted to set a good example as a healthcare professional. I don't think that it should be mandated. I think that's a personal choice between you and your doctor and your pharmacist. But um, I, I did want to set a good example, so I went through the clinical trials. Congressman Buddy Carter with us in studio. It suddenly occurs to me, if we were having this conversation a year ago, uh, you would be a member of the minority in the House. Now, the Republicans with a small but a majority nonetheless. How does that change things on a day-to-day basis? How does that change things moving forward? Primarily, the agenda. You get to control the agenda. We we get to decide which bills come to the floor. We get to decide uh, what we're going to be discussing in committee and what we're going to prioritize. For instance, the majority party gets the first 10 numbered bills, H.R. 1 through H.R. 10. It often, and, and it should, um, reflect your priorities. For us, H.R. 1, which we passed just uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, was the lowering energy cost bill. And that is one of our priorities. Uh, you can make the argument, and I think it's a valid argument, that what we're experiencing now in our economy is self-inflicted. This president, day one, declared war on American energy uh, when he when he discontinued the Keystone XL pipeline. And, and, and look, I, I get it. I understand where they're coming from. I believe in climate change. I believe it's real. I believe that it's cyclical. I believe that— um, You believe it's human cost? It, and, 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 you know, it, it, 
we we need to control carbon emissions, but we don't need to to limit choices. We need choices. We need an all of the above type energy strategy. I continue to say that the United States does not get the credit that we deserve for what we've done in decreasing emissions. Right, if we is, went to zero emissions today, which is of course exactly. feasible, and if we went to zero emissions today, it, it, given what China and India and Russia and Brazil, some of these other economies are doing, wouldn't amount to much, if anything. That's why we need to be exporting more American energy. Natural gas in America is 47% cleaner than it is anywhere else in the world, particularly uh, as as compared to Russian gas. You know, that's what people don't understand. Here in the United States, we have decreased our carbon emissions more in the last decade than the next 12 countries combined while growing our economy. It can be done. We need to, instead of uh, instead of trying to crush American energy like this president has done, we need to be exporting American energy. Well, one of the things this governor has done, Governor Brian Kemp has done, continues to do, uh, and, and your district down there on the coast, in addition to our neck of the woods, uh, with Rivian making plans for Morgan and Walton counties, Hyundai and what they're about to do down there with Kia's, and where's it, Bryan County, and building right. those electric cars and all the suppliers that come in with that. Georgia emerging is something of grounds zero in the electric automobile industry. We'll see what the future holds on this. But from your perspective, what do you see? Well, I see the same thing. And I applaud the governor for for uh, seizing this opportunity. I think he's done a great job in um, in positioning Georgia and and getting us into a situation where we're going to benefit from this. Look, um, I'd be glad to drive an electric vehicle. There are a lot of challenges. And, and certainly I, I disagree with the ruling that the EPA has come out here just um, in the last 24 hours and the number of electric vehicles that are, are the number of gas-powered vehicles that are going to be allowed to be made anymore. But at the same time, I, I do applaud the governor for what he's doing and 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 for positioning Georgia as as a leader in this area. Another kind of ancillary issue, sort of related, is solar farm issue. We got two counties I can think of right off the top of my head: uh, Irwin County, small county, and Albany, a little bit bigger down there, having exactly the same conversation. Want to put up these acres and acres of solar panels to generate solar electricity? Some pushback from farmers and other folks uh, for for various reasons. I don't know how much of this is in your neck of the woods down there in Savannah, but it's, it's a thing all over the state, and there are concerns all over the state. There are concerns. In fact, so much so that there are some counties in southwest Georgia that have limited the number of, of uh, acres that they're going to allow to be used for this type of, uh, uh, of usage with, um, with solar farms because they understand that we, you know, ag is a big part of our economy. It's the biggest part of our economy here in the state of Georgia, we need to, and it continues to be, it needs to continue to be just that. Uh, you've been in Congress how long? Uh, this is my ninth year. Okay. Uh, you got plans? I mean, at some point you, you know, flirted with a run for the Senate. Uh, you go stay. What, what are your plans moving forward? Well, I, I'm you know, perfectly content where I'm at right now. I, I, I would like uh, to look in the future and, and see what is available. But at the same time, you know, my focus is on, on representing the people of the 1st Congressional District. I tell people all the time that um, 435 districts in the United States, and I have the honor and privilege of representing the very best one. Over 100 miles of, of pristine coastline, two major seaports, every branch of the military represented, um, strong ag presence, strong uh, forestry presence, just a great, great district. Yeah, I, I promise I didn't do this on purpose. I just grabbed one as I'm walking out the door. The, the hat I happened to have this morning, the ball cap, is a St. Simons Island cap. I love going down there. Last time I was down there, they were still trying to get the Golden Ray out of the Glad they got all that uh, squared away. But it is a beautiful part of our state.
It is. It is. And we did um, finally get the Golden Ray out and, um, you know, all the T-shirts that everybody bought about <laughs> ship happens. You know, <laughs> then, <that's laughs> yeah, the sense I got, I was out there, was in Brogan's and they had, had a TV that was devoted to the thing you could look right out the window and see. And it's like the locals were just fed up with this and the tourists are just flocking in there to see it. It, it was, was a great attraction, a great tourist attraction. Yeah, but, but again, I'm more than happy that it's uh, out of the way down there now, I'm sure. I got to get back down there soon. Congressman Buddy Carter, again, in town today, uh, leaving us, I don't know, go get some breakfast someplace, and then what's the rest of the day for you? Well, we'll be visiting the, the university. Um, we'll be at the pharmacy school as well as the engineering school. Looking forward to, to all of our visits. It's so good to be back in Athens. I tell you, such great memories here. Congressman Buddy Carter, uh, thanks for dropping in this morning, Savannah Republican Congressman Buddy Carter. Thanks for coming in. Thank you.